All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Hello again, and welcome to Primitive Screwheads Talk Horror Movies. I'm Screwhead Dan. And I'm Screwhead Andrew. And we are here once again to dissect, dismember, and discuss horror movies. Today's episode is going to be the 1997 sequel to Scream, titled Scream 2, directed by Russ Craven. Um, Really, really famous 90s horror movie. We're going to continue the trend on this front, talking about it. Uh, Before we get started, though, Andrew, how we doing? You know, I'm doing doing pretty well. I'm uh, currently, I just got kicked out of my job actually today. Not kicked out, but uh, told I could not go to work tomorrow because um, my living fiance is currently has COVID. Um, so I, I went, I got a test, tested negative, went to work. And at the end of the day, they're like, if you can stay home if you want tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, sick. So <laughs> nice. I, work, I get to work from home. It's going to be pretty cool. Uh, but you know, good, good, good life. How are you doing? Nice, nice, nice. Well, I'm glad your fiance is feeling well um you, we've talked a little bit before this and all that get your shot get boosted you know stay home if you're you know feeling unwell or whatever it is just you know we're all we it, COVID sucks we're all in this together anyway uh i'm doing good i'm doing real good um you should know i think you know this about me already i am heavily addicted to final fantasy 14 the mmo and the newest expansion, Endwalker, which is basically the Avengers Endgame of Final Fantasy XIV, <laughs> is coming out tomorrow. Um, so I got all of my work done today. I work from home. And basically, I just have one meeting tomorrow at like 11 o'clock. And it's just kind of a check-in business that lasts a half hour. The rest of the day, I'm planning on spending the game, playing the game. I am so fucking excited. Unless the servers figuratively catch on fire, which is very, very likely. Wait, now, does your work know that you're going to be doing this all day, or... Oh, hell no. I mean, okay, unless okay. I, like, I posted it to some sort of public forum, like a podcast or something like that. Um, but, yeah, other than that, no, 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 no. I make sure this post in the morning so that they're on to you. <laughs> no, seriously, I actually did meet with my boss today, and she was just like, Dan, I... You have been doing fantastic. Um, everything's been good. I'm really excited to see where you're at in six months now. And I'm like, oh, thanks. I appreciate Aww. that. So, And, of course, if anything crops up. But I'm very much at the stage of my job right now where I just kind of, like, I get everything done on my own time. I set my own schedule. And as long as the work's done, the work's done, which is nice. And, you know, if a client calls or something tomorrow, I'll take it. But other than that, I'm just going to be waiting around for stuff to come in. Oh, that's, yeah. that's a pretty good, pretty good gig. Yeah. yeah, we should also mention, uh, Dan, you and I got to see each other uh, over Thanksgiving time vacation. It's not a vacation because we're, we're adults, but like, you know, <laughs> over, Thanksgiving, over, over Thanksgiving break, we got to we got to meet up. It was, it was cool. We got yeah, to definitely. I got food. to see his house and his cats and his dog and his fiance in that order. Um, it was pretty cool. So and the mouse and the mouse and the mouse too, Monsieur Monsignor. Yeah. <laughs> so my girlfriend and I were talking on the drive back to the airport. Just for listeners, I was up in Andrews area in the Northeast um, for Thanksgiving, visiting my girlfriend's cousin, and then I was just like, "Hey, wait a second, Andrew lives really close to this airport. Why don't we go ahead and meet up with him?" And we met up for a few hours. Um, but my girlfriend and I were talking on the way back to the airport. We're just like, hey, this is the first time that we've met Andrew's fiance. And one of the very first conversations we had with her was the mouse story about how she basically genocided all the mice in the house. <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun. It's always, 
So it's a great part of the story to tell, like, oh, we caught this mouse. He's so cute. And we killed the rest of his family. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the mouse trap was on there, and, like, part of his face was, like, stuck on the mouse trap, so he had to peel it off, and, like, some of the skin stayed on it. Uh, that was good mm. stuff. Great, yeah, great, great story. Actually, the, the the first day I had to miss work because uh, Lindsay told me she had COVID. Um, the uh, they found a mouse in my work, <laughs> so, so I was like, just everywhere. It's like, oh, it's like I'm, I'm there in spirit, and apparently everyone was freaking out, and I, like everyone in my office was going insane. Um, <laughs> so I I'm really sad that I missed that actually. But gotcha. You know, uh, in other good news though, uh, as I mentioned to you recently. Um, for anybody who has Game Pass, uh, Aliens Fire Team is going to be on there. I think December sixteenth or fourteenth, it's going to be tossed on there, which means it's not a really great game, <laughs> and it really isn't. But it's definitely a fun game. Like I, I only played a little bit of it. I'll admit, I played maybe the first campaign and kind of stopped because like it's a pretty boring game. I, I honestly had more fun with Colonial Marines, um, even the story wasn't great. Uh, but I think it's a fun game. I think it'll be a fun game to play with people. So, you know, going to make Dan play with me. It's going to be great. Yeah, definitely. I recently got into Game Pass. I don't have an Xbox. I do have a PC, though. Um, and I was just a holdout on Game Pass forever because I'm just like, I have this massive Steam library. I want to continue buying my games on there. What's going on? Um, but I eventually did one of the one month for $3 deals that constantly pops up with Game Pass. Um, I got through Psychonauts 2, I got through Halo Wars 2, been playing a lot of Halo Infinite, Age of Empires, um, just a ton of stuff on there. I was very shocked. So it's a very good value if you have an Xbox or a gaming PC. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I want to get into it at some point. I keep uh, keep thinking about it, but I'm kind of the same boat as you. Like, I, I just play Dead by Daylight and Overwatch over and over again, and like really, that, that keeps me sated. Um, but you actually, you just played the Resident Evil uh, VR game. And I you did. Thought that was good? Oh, God, it was so good. Yeah, no, I have an Oculus Quest 2, um, and I recently played through Resident Evil 4 VR, and, dude, I, I beat in the game, like, four or five times on, like, oh, a million different platforms. Like, the original GameCube, then I got PlayStation 2, then I got Wii, and I think I played it on PC as well at some point. Um, but it was just, it's really really cool going back to a game that you loved from your childhood and now it's in vr i did the same thing with uh, zone of the enders tomb um, which is another vr title that vr integration was just okay on that one um but it, it, it's still they did a bang up job with resident evil 4 vr i would highly recommend it oh yeah now, i've only I've, i just played up to the first part where the uh you know the chainsaw guys attacks you for the first time and then the, everyone leaves all of a sudden he's like Where'd everyone go? Mm-hmm. Can't remember what, what 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 you know quip he makes, um, but yeah, I just got to there. But I've heard they're actually going to remake it again, uh, like like an actual yep. like full remake. Yeah. So the uh, drama surrounding that is um, they are planning on remaking it. It's kind of an open secret in the industry at this point. The voice actor for Wesker um, actually came out and he publicly um, leaked some concept art for the resident evil 4 remake um or re-imaging or whatever you want to call it and then it also found out too in the same twitter thread that he has been grooming some of his young fans and like curing them for sexual favors and that sort of thing so yeah he ended up being kind of a scumbag but i mean we we kind of knew resident evil 4 remake was coming out eventually um especially after the success of two and three but yeah that's that's coming down the pipeline I mean, like, what an appropriate character to be a scumbag, but also, like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, I was the same thing, too. I was just, like, I was looking at this. I was just like, oh, cool, finally some confirmation that the remake's actually in development. What the fuck? I mean, like, of all the people to simp for, like, 
Albert Wesker's voice actor? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, this this guy better have some other, some other credits because that's like, I I feel I got you know I guess he's like a leather blonde master race kind of guy, but like, ugh. I mean I I like not not Chris's voice actor, not not Jill's. Like, ooh, I yeah, yeah, all right. So uh, it makes a lot of, um, you know, us feel very icky. It makes us feel like we want to scream there. Bam, that's our segue. Let's talk about Scream. (laughs) (laughs) You mean Scream 2. Scream 2, yes. So uh, we kind of started this off. We're kind of going through all the Scream movies one by one. Um, We may loop three and four together later on, but this might just be a quick episode on Scream 2. Um, in preparation for the fifth movie, which is coming out in the first quarter of 2022. My history with the series, I remember seeing Scream 1 and barely Scream 2 at like a slumber party I was at as a kid. Um, I honestly didn't know too much about this movie, or I didn't remember too much about this movie coming in, except for a few key scenes, which we'll talk about later. Um, so it was, it was, it was kind of nice to watch it again. Um, I have not seen three or four just yet, so I'm kind of excited to see one and not excited to see the other. And oh. you talked a little bit about your history with the series before too, right, Andrew? Yeah, again, I, I just watched them all at some point, like, you know, they were, uh, just films that I, uh, you know, when, when I was in a horror phase, I watched them all essentially, one, two, and three, and I got to see four in theaters a couple times, which is nice. Um, I, I was, you know, that was the height of my horror uh, kind of love in college when four came out. So that was like, it was a nice thing. Um, I was actually talking to my sister a little while ago because she started listening to the podcast. Um, and she mentioned that she like remembered seeing Scream 1 in theaters. And she thought it was really funny that we were shitting on Billy's actor <laughs> because she's like, at the time, apparently he was the big name when the movie the movie was selling. Like huh. he was like the heartthrob back then. So when we were like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> she, she was like, what the fuck? Um, so uh, that, that, that was funny. Um, All right. So I got to go yeah. back in real quick and figure out exactly who Billy was again. Or what, Billy, what they, the, no, the no, killer. The, the actor who played Billy. That's what I'm trying to find. Oh, uh-huh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, apparently he was big at the time. I don't know. I gotcha. have no fucking idea who he is. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. I think we, you know, we both came down at the uh, the point uh, after discussing last week that, or two weeks ago, three weeks ago, uh, that you know, we, we, I think we both, you know, say it's classic. We liked it. Um, yeah. What are your initial thoughts or impressions after revisiting Scream Two? So overall, um, Scream 2, I think it starts off really, really strong. Like, the first two-thirds are absolutely fantastic. I'd like, okay, this seems like a natural progression. I do feel it stumbles in the last third. Basically, everything from the murderer reveal, I'm just kind of like, eh, okay, it's not terrible. It's not great either. Um, and overall, I feel this movie is just kind of a, it's not as good as the first one. It's good, but it's not as good as the first one. Nice. I, I'm actually going to, I, I kind of felt this way in remembering it, but then after watching one and kind of being unimpressed by some things of it, I actually think two is the superior film. Ooh, okay. Uh, but I, I think part of that is because it has the foundation of one. Like it's, one, it's a, I think it's a superior film in the sense that I think it does better, but it wouldn't do so well without the first. Kind of like, like Terminator 2. I think Terminator 2 is a better film, but I think without Terminator 1, like the twist with Arnold wouldn't be as good, you know? Like there are things that wouldn't be as good with it. And I think... Part of the reason I like this one so much is, I think, like I mentioned the first time, I think Sydney's character really develops in this movie. Yeah. And as from what and you see her change from who she was in the first film. And I really liked that. And I thought some of the kills were a little bit more creative because I didn't really think that the kills in the first one were that creative. Um, or, like, terrifying, mm-hmm. really. I feel like there were, especially with the main cast and the fakeouts, like, I remember when I first watched these thinking a few characters de- were dead. Uh, it was a few big-name characters. Uh, so I thought that was really well done. 
Um, but I will agree. I think the last part, I think everything involving, I think everything involving the theater that happens, I'm okay with. But the setting of them on a stage and everything, I'm just like, oh, God. Like, I get the metaphor they're going, and I actually kind of like that. But, like, I always kind of cringe a little bit when she, like, walks up on the stage. And I'm like, oh, God, why are we on a fucking yeah. For me, the ending wasn't really... Oh, by the way, this is likely going to be a spoiler at this point. So um, if you want to avoid spoilers, those are our general thoughts on that. Um, but yeah, for me, the last third is just... It's, it's, it's not so much the setting. It's not so much the resolution. It's just... I didn't like the reveal. I thought it was, mm. wasn't a very... As strong a reveal as the first movie. Um, and that's what I... It felt like they were trying to one-up themselves, and the, I mean, the very first movie, the reveal of it being Matthew Lillard and um, her boyfriend, Sydney's boyfriend, that was great, because you think for a while that her boyfriend is just kind of the red herring character, and it never really crosses your mind that there could be two killers, and there are, and the boyfriend is one of them, and it, that was a great reveal. This one, it's just kind of like, okay, this minor character we really didn't care about is the killer, and then, oh, this is, it, it feels almost a retcon that Billy's mother is the killer in this one. And mm. I, I, I just felt that felt flat. I was like, okay, I don't care about either of these two characters. This is kind of letting there. So, yeah. yeah no, I, I get you there. Uh, but here, let's, let's, hop into, let's hop into talking about sure. uh, the, the opening first, because I think the opening, the, I think the openings are big parts of these movies. And then we kind of mm-hmm. hop into the characters and hop into the end, because I don't think there's much point talking about the middle. But, oh, absolutely. Yes. But go right ahead. So, uh, so tell us about the uh, beginning. Yeah, so the, the opening, again, this is an opening that I'm pretty sure I saw in Scro- uh, Scary Movie 2 before I saw it in, uh, in Scream. Um, but, Scary know, Movie opening, 1, actually. Oh, was it 1? Yeah, it was oh, 1. Okay, okay. There you go. Yeah, so we have, uh, and actually, I did. I, I love the play on it in Scary Movie 1. I thought that was amazing. Um, but uh, so basically, the movie starts off with uh, Jada Pinkett Smith and Omar Epps uh, going to see a movie. Uh, the movie is Stab. So in this franchise, the thing that I love is they keep bringing in the Stab films, which are basically... Uh, the movies, the Scream movies, based off of Scream, uh, uh, Sydney's experience. So they're in in the show. They are, uh, or in the mo- movie, they are canon within the films. Um, so they're going to the Stab premiere. I think it's the first Stab um, film, mm-hmm. and they're there. And uh, while they're there, you know, everyone gets free ghost mask costumes and free little knives and everything. So it's like a, you know, it's a kind of a nightmare if you're afraid of that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, Jay Pinkett Smith is afraid of being there. Um, Omar is having a great time, and basically. Um, he goes, Omar at one point goes to the bathroom, gets a knife through the head, and uh, Jada, uh, after kind of realizing that her boyfriend is dead and realizing that this man, uh, basically impersonates her boyfriend for a moment, uh, goes up on stage and gets, like, brutally stabbed to death in front of everybody who thinks that it's, like, part of the show, like, part of that audience participation that we yeah. can see with movies like The Room. And I know this is a very common, like, comment on this scene, but god damn, this is a rowdy crowd. Like, I saw Snake oh, yeah. Sun playing on opening nights, and, yeah, I was very popular in high school. Um, <laughs> but I saw Snake Sun playing opening night. This is a crazy, rowdy theater. Like, it, it feels like a parody of the movie being shown on the background. But, Wait, you know, i to ask you. Yeah. I, I also saw Snakes on a plane on opening night, and, like, there were five people there. <laughs> so, like, what, <laughs> what was your showing like? <laughs> That's No, I, I did, and it was pretty rowdy. I mean, I went with, like, a big group of friends and one of my high school clubs I was a part of. So that might have been, we basically just took over the entire theater. Oh, okay. I was going to say, like, I'm pretty, like, as much as I want to feel like it was a great thing, it was popular, like, pretty sure, pretty sure it wasn't. Though, okay, how about I this? Went, I've seen Rocky Horror a lot, and it is, it's like a Rocky Horror showing. Like, I mean, like, I went and saw, I think, Twilight New Moon opening night, 
uh, one of the times. Like, I went not see any of the ones at that point, and it, that crowd was rowdy. That crowd, you just yelled out like one of the two guys, like Jacob or Edward's name, and you got like a bunch of screams. It was, oh God, it was great. It was a, it was a great experience. <laughs> okay, um, so I, I this is probably the grossest thing we're ever going to talk about on this podcast, and then we're a horror movie podcast. There's a five second films um, skits where they're in a theater, and the title of the video is twilight new moon test screening and then a scientist walks up to one of the theater seats pushes his hand down on the cushion and then comes up and he's just covered in fluid and it's just like it's good everybody it's a good movie <laughs> it's terrible that's terrible it's so bad but every time i hear that i'm just like oh god i remember that's good anyway continue <laughs> but anyway yeah what do you think of the opening um i thought it was effective what... like i liked the whole meta aspect of it it felt like a good angle for the series to evolve in. I felt the kill was just absolutely terrifying, you know, being stabbed in front of everybody and the whole bystander effect or the crowd effect is just, well, it's not even the bystander effect. It's just no one knew what was going on, but in plain sight getting stabbed, yeah, that's fucked. Yeah, no, I, th- I thought Jada Jade Smith's character, her, her death was great. And actually, mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you, in the past I remember watching this movie and kind of finding her character annoying, but like this time I kind of like sympathize with her because like I feel like... <laughs> Like, I don't know, I originally, I'm like, oh, man, what, like, a, you know, Debbie Downer. And, like, I feel, again, it comes from seeing Scream 2, or, sorry, uh, Scary Movie, where that character was meant to be annoying, and you're supposed to kind of root for her to die. Like, random people start stabbing her because yes. she's annoying. Um, but in this one, you really kind of feel bad for her because she went there, like, she didn't want to see the movie. She wasn't really comfortable. She actually talks but because she's nervous, and then she ends up getting stabbed to death. And it's, like, I really felt for her uh, watching it this time. Um Meanwhile, Omar Epps gets fucking stabbed in the head because he's trying to listen to somebody have sex in the bathroom. And I'm yes. like, oh, that's <laughs> interesting. Uh, I always wonder when I watch that, though, I'm like, how did Ghostface know where his head was? Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you do that? How do you know that well <laughs> enough? That's, like, insane. Also, I know those doors are, like, not, like, super tough. But, I mean, like, how how do you do that? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm just very curious about that. Um, yeah, definitely some artistic liberties were being taken on that scene in terms of stabbing a knife through a bathroom door. But I don't know. I've never tried it myself. But did, did you think that this kind of set more of like a, a fun tone? Because I feel like Scream 1 was really scary, the opening. And I thought, and I feel like Scream 2 is a little bit more fun. Oh, definitely. I 100% agree. Like with the whole meta aspect of it. And yeah, it, it definitely, I get the impression. And then going back to the Jada Pinkett Smith character, I do feel like they were trying at the very least to set her up to be the annoying character. Like we wanted her to die, wanted her to get killed off. Um, that's the impression I got from the movie. But who knows? I, know, man. Uh-huh. I, I really felt for her. I, really, yeah. I was like, I was oh, like, I'm oh, not man. saying I didn't feel for her either. I'm just saying that's what it felt like the movie was trying to push forward. That was mm-hmm. the intention, yeah. at least. Mm hmm. Yeah, or at least start off that way. But then, yeah. like, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like there's a humanizing moment for her when she goes outside and, like, is, like, kind of like, oh, man, I really don't like this. This isn't great. And then she's like, don't do it because you don't want to do it. Um, Which could be a meta commentary on how we cheer for the annoying characters to get killed in poor movies. And then we do feel for her. So. Yeah, no, that, that's true. Yeah. I, I, I do think that there, I forget, she does say something that is good uh, about, like, not needing, like, she's like, oh, like, the world's already kind of fucked up. Why do I need this? And I'm like, oh, it's, you know, kind of kind of nice and like that these people were real people that who died um mm-hmm. and i was like yeah that, that, that's a nice commentary um also i that this is probably not the case but that theater reminds me of the theater that they go to in uh final girls that theater oh, where they yeah. watch the camp bloodbath movie and i'm like oh this looks very similar i'm curious <laughs> if, if it's the same set probably isn't but anyway um but yeah so then we're uh introduced back to our uh, main character sydney um and i i don't 
think I think we could just discuss the characters kind of briefly in this because I think we discussed them a lot last time, but I do think they change a lot. But uh, I love Sydney in this movie, and I think that it's very encapsulated by her in this first part of the the first thing we see her doing because uh, the movie basically opens up on her getting a phone call, and you hear like somebody doing a Ghostface voice being like, "Do you know who you're talking to?" And she's like, "You mean like Jimmy Smith at mm-hmm. blah 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 blah?" Because she has caller <laughs> ID. And she's yeah. like, "She's like, yeah, fuck you," and hangs up the phone. I'm like, that. <laughs> That was amazing. That yes. was like so. I feel like that was such a great way to show how she's changed this character, and like to show that we're not dealing with this like scared person. We're dealing with like Sydney, who's like trying to deal with things. Um, mm-hmm. And I love that. And and we discussed in, in the past kind of uh, the way that Jamie Lee Curtis has dealt with in uh, the the newer Halloween films. And again, I feel like Sydney is a great example of how that is done very well um in terms of a character who's definitely shows cracks in their facade and stuff but like is trying to be a stronger person and i i really enjoyed that in this film yeah she seems definitely to be a strong character but at the same time there's growth and she's not perfect and that made her a lot more realistic and i really did enjoy that when i think one of her, her friend i can't remember her friend's name but she says like um she's like are you sure you're okay and she's like i'm fine and she says like i i wrote that misquote because i loved it she's like i'm fine as a strut is a is stretched tightly across your face. <laughs> it's like that's perfect. Like it's like that. It's that kind of like gritting teeth kind of thing, which I, I love. It's it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so again, yeah, so so yeah, again, yeah, she's developed a lot. I think she's just a better character. Um, I think that a lot of what we see with her, I like, is you kind of see the way that she's developed from her instance of Billy, and that kind of ties into uh, her boyfriend. Is it Derek? Uh, I, I think, think so. Derek. Yeah, I think Derek. Yeah, that sounds about right. Derek, played by the guy from Quantum Leap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you think about Derek, or the boyfriend in, the, in this in this film? I liked him. I I mean, he wasn't like a standout character or anything like that, but he was good for what he is. Um, he won me over the scene where he starts dancing in the middle of the cafeteria. I that that was a really cute scene. I really enjoyed that. How about you? Yeah, no, I'm the same boat. I, I loved it, and I liked that he like kind of like you could tell that he kind of knew what was going on like so as soon as the killings first start happening she starts distancing herself from him and he's just like hey are you like trying to get away from me like what, what's going on and you can tell that he's trying to like give her space but also be like hey i'm not a killer essentially mm-hmm. and like i feel like it, it, it's in contrast to billy who was very aggressive about not being a killer um we even see that scene with luke wilson playing billy where he's like I forget what he says. He's like, God, it's your fucking trauma, whatever. Like he like he's very like hostile towards her. I and God, I can't even remember it, but it's so so good. Uh, the way that Wilk Wilson played it. But like I think it was just a really nice contrast to um who Billy was in the film and like that kind of like but still she can't trust him because she's so scarred by that. Which again I think is a great way to show like how the pre- previous events of the earlier film affected her. Yeah. Um and I really like their dynamic. And I, and I agree. I think that, that scene was great. And I really always felt really bad for him, the ending. Um mm-hmm. Because we can get to that later, but like I don't, I, I think it's so obvious that he's not the killer, and it's also so like sad what happens. Um, but yeah, so let's go back to our uh, you know our returning cast. We also have uh, Courtney Cox and David Arquette back in this mm-hmm. film as uh, Dewey and Gail Weathers, or Gail and Dewey Weathers, Gail Weathers and Dewey Riley. Um, what do you think about them in this film? How, how do you think they developed? I mean, I I do like the fact. <sighs> okay, so. It definitely felt like a natural progression. You know, they were, the relationship was hinted at a lot in the very first movie. Dewey in this one is a lot more dumb, a lot more bullheaded, and the beginnings of his flanderization start to form, which kind of turned me off a little bit. But at the same time, he had his moments that kind of made me smile. I don't 
I don't know, maybe it's because I don't like Courtney Cox in general, but I didn't particularly... I, I felt myself tuning out every time the two were on screen together. Yeah. How dare you? Yeah. How about like, you? I, I think I, I think in the beginning I didn't like her. Like, I always loved Dewey. Like, I the moment when Dewey first comes up to... Um, he first appears kind of walking around, like, awkwardly in the... Uh, <laughs> In, in the green and uh, Cindy comes up to him. I love it. I think it's such a great, like, kind of sweet moment and, like, the protectiveness he has over her and the checking in with her that he does. Mm-hmm. I think it's really great. Um, and, and I do like the comic book they have at the beginning where he ba- where basically we find out that uh, Gail Weathers essentially wrote the book on Stab and uh, basically called Dewey an idiot in it, essentially. Which he, he was, admittedly. But, like, you know, you read that in a book. Um, it's not really great. It ruins his reputation. Um, but I really like that. And I like that I feel like he was, there's a lot of moments where he's kind of like, I'm a fucking cop, and I know things. Stop like treating me like the character in your book. Um, I like that, and I really love their dynamic towards the end. I think that Courtney Cox becomes a, or sorry, Gail Weathers in this book. I think I found in the first movie she didn't develop at all. I think Gail Weathers is the same person in the beginning and the end, but in this one she really does kind of t- come around. I feel like towards the end, um, and I really like love the moment where they go into the school together and they like, I don't know, go exploring and find that sound booth and stuff. I thought that like the relationship they had in that moment was really strong and believable and you can kind of see why they got married in the future um mm-hmm. the actors and the characters um but also like i think that because that i think because they developed that so well in that scene that the kind of trauma that occurs later and especially the fact that it's that silent scene where they can't like hear each other it's really effective mm-hmm. yeah but um yeah okay so, so we have those two and then we have a uh, randy what do you think about Randy in this film? Oh, gosh, Randy. Um, yeah, I when we were talking about last episode and you were talking about your criticisms with Randy and everything like that, I, I couldn't get that sort of out of my head. I felt he was a little bit better in this movie than he was last time. Um, his uh, death scene was actually one of the scenes that I did remember fondly, which is a great death scene. Frustrating as hell, but I really enjoyed that one. Um yeah, I mean, he just kind of continues. It doesn't seem like he's developed or matured too much. There are a couple scenes where, um, like you mentioned before with uh, Derek, he kind of sticks up for um, Sydney and just checks in on her, makes sure she's okay. But beyond that, I really didn't have too much to say about him. How about you? Yeah, I thought the same thing. I do think he, I think he was a lot better in this one. I think part of it was like he, they dropped some of like the disparaging comments he made about people around him. Um and, like, I think having him have that kind of one-off against Mickey was kind of nice in the beginning, um, where they both kind of, you know, going at each other with movie knowledge. Oh, that was a great scene. Yeah, scene. Uh-huh. Like, I feel like it kind of, you know, took him down a little bit. Again, I, I think that the weird, like, his weird love of Sydney, again, I think it's supposed to be kind of sweet, but it's, like, still weird when, like, they're like, what would you change about the sequel? And he's like, you know, let the nerd get the girl and sprays his mouth with that, like, weird spray. And, like, uh-huh. okay. <laughs> like, all right, all right, buddy. But I think, yeah, again, I think he kind of comes around, and I think that they, I think that they play the better parts of him. Like, as we watched it, like, as I watched it this time, I, I kind of felt like they realized maybe how he was kind of a cringe character in the first one a little bit and really kind of refined him and left out some of those parts. Um, you know, it is still, again, awkward as he kind of hangs around Derek and them as Derek, like, approaches. And I think they almost kind of want to give you the vibe that maybe, like, Derek and her aren't going to be together and he's going to swing in because you can see like the disgusted look on his face and Derek kind of comes in a bit broy at first when mm-hmm. he first uh, appears. Oh, definitely. Um, mm-hmm. But I think they did a good job kind of subverting that and having him be like actually a nice person and stuff. Um, but then like, you know, like, like you said, I think uh, the death, his death was great. Um, yeah. 
And we find out who the killer is later. I think it's also kind of great the way it happens because it happens at a very key part in what's going on. Um, but yeah, no, no, I think I think he I like him a lot. I think that my fond memories of him come from this movie and come from uh, something that happens later in the franchise. Um, I think that's like really where my fondness of him comes from. Gotcha. All and right, then cool. I think the, the, the thing that characters we need to really highlight. Um, I think basically that just the killers, and we can talk about them at the end because I think they don't really do much uh, other than that, really, right? I'm, yeah, I'm gonna, like, gonna honestly, much. I'm not going to lie. When Billy was revealed as the killer at the very end, I paused for a second. I was just like, oh, wait, who was that again? And then I was just like, oh, that's right, the guy who was arguing with Randy at the very beginning of the movie. Like, I completely forgot about him. He was just kind of the background character for me the entire movie, which kind of made the reveal fall flat for me. And then when the mother was revealed, I felt like that was just kind of a, uh, yeah, that doesn't feel very natural either. So. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I do think that Mickey and, and uh, what's her name? Loomis? Frick, it's a, I know her, her name, her fake name is like something Salt, Debbie Salt. Debbie Salt, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's that's her character name. But like, yeah, like, I don't know. I, th- I felt like, uh, like Mickey is is Timothy Oliphant, which I didn't see. Like it's really it's still hard to notice, even though I feel like Timothy Oliphant now in my mind is a recognizable face because he's so young in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I again I'm actually okay with him as a killer in the sense that I feel like he always seemed kind of weird, and he wasn't, but he wasn't as in your face as uh, Stu and Billy were, which I think was like a, a thing they need to change because like the first movie like they are shoved in your face who the killer was over and over again. Mm-hmm. So I think having it be these side characters made a little bit more sense. But then, other than Mrs. Loomis, the motivation wasn't really there. Like, I, Mickey's, again, I, I think Timothy Oliphant's great in this, in this role, actually. But, like, Mickey is just a psycho in this movie. And he's not, like, he's, you know, he's the stew of this movie, essentially. But Yeah, and the other thing, too, is just I, I felt, especially in the age when Scream was released in the 90s, when the whole, oh, movies and violence uh, and video games cause serial killers... Like, they definitely played into that. And I felt their motivations were interesting for that point in time. But this one, I, I didn't feel... I was like, what was Mickey's motivation? I don't remember. So it's interesting because Mickey's motivation and his his kind of uh, credo is the opposite of Billy's. Billy said that, you know, movies don't create serial killers. Uh, they just make them more creative. That was his little line he gives. Yeah. Um, but then Mickey says that his goal was instead of... Uh, becoming, he wants to be a famous killer. He wants to be in the history books, and he wants to be. He wants to pause it and be part of a case saying that films made him this way. That by being, but media, modern media, these, you know, basically what kind of what Jada Pinkett Smith says in the beginning that like these slasher films like made him become this, uh-huh. um, and it, it's their fault. Um, which is, is weird again because for somebody who's such like a cinephile in the film to make that comment. It's but like and, and that's kind of like where it lost me is like I think he could have had other motivations but like for him basically to want fame for being a killer and then bringing a case against films like is is it did he get wronged by a horror movie as a child and he like <laughs> wants revenge on them like what where does that motivation come from yeah like, that's where it kind of fell that. flat for me too I was just like okay I I can't really see where the dots connect there but sure we'll go with it and well, then, like, yeah, I want... uh, the whole Mrs Loomis then I just it fell really flat for me. I will say I, I like their dialogue where she talks about how, like, she found him. She's like, you know, there's only, like, 100-something confirmed serial killers in the world. I'm, I'm lucky I found him. And, like, <laughs> I like that, that manipulation. And I like the way she talked as, like, you know, a hurt mother whose son is dead. 
Um, and, you know, whose son died uh, by Sydney, but also blamed Sydney's father for, um, you know, uh, separating their family, or Sydney's mother, sorry, for separating her family. Um, but that sounds like, this, the, like someone who left their husband because uh, they were cheating on them sounds like a very sane thing to do. And now she's a serial killer. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't know. You get the impre- you got the impression that like she was level headed in the first movie, and like having her pop out of nowhere at the end seemed kind of kind of weird. Um, yeah, but I was like watching. It, did you remember that she was the, the killer in this movie when you watched it? Did I did you? not. No, like I remember the Mickey portion. I was just like, okay, it's one of the lesser side characters, and then, uh, well, I you know I when I was watching this movie, I forgot who Mickey was, but I remembered it was one of the lesser side characters as the killer. I didn't remember the mother though. And this time I was just like, oh, yeah, I guess it's her. Okay, cool. I will say the one thing I did notice is that every time I watched her, I paid attention a little bit. And it is kind of funny because she always appears um, with, like, when Gail's doing her thing, but then just disappears. Like, she always kind of walks away. Like, you see her, like, everyone's all their all their film trucks and everything pull up, and she just kind of walks out into the woods after mm. she's done, like, talking with Gail. Which I like. It's, it's, I think it's, like, it's like a funny kind of way to show, like... That like, oh, she's not like actually a reporter because she just like <laughs> walks away off set. You're like, oh, yeah, there's nobody, there's nobody filming her. She just had, she just has a, uh, a like a recorder, but she has no crew with her or anything. Um, and I like that. Like, I, I get the impression that you know when Gil runs out of the music hall and she sees her there on the phone. Mm-hmm. I, in my mind, like, I feel like she, she was standing outside there waiting for the kill to happen. And then, it, like, Gail comes out, she's like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Look, look, I'm doing something. And, picked up, and I took the phone and was like, oh, hey, I'm just standing outside this music hall in the dark on a phone. Yeah, it's, I'm just I'm just calling somebody. It's totally normal. <laughs> like, I, I I like those elements of it. Um, but I don't really yeah, buy her as a The first one had a lot of background moments like that, too, where I was just like, ooh, is that the killer? Is that the killer? Is that the killer? I do remember that. So can we take uh, a second to, to talk about Cotton? I was going to say, yeah, let's hop yeah. about Cotton. Yeah, I, I really like this character. I oh, yeah. really, really like the dynamic it brought to it where he was someone who was falsely accused of murdering Sydney's father. They had they still have that very tense relationship, but it, it's still the fact that he was acquitted. He didn't, you know, kill her uh, mother. And it's, yeah, it, I, I really did enjoy the dynamic between the two, especially when... Um, Gail Weathers sets them both up to interact with each other and have that interview without telling Sydney beforehand that, hey, th- this is Cotton. Um, and then he is just like, wait a second, you told me that you told her this is not a thing. And, you know, he he's definitely struggling with it. And I really, really enjoy the dynamic. No, I, I completely agree. No, I, I, I love him. I For some reason in my mind, I was always confused about the ending of this because I thought for some reason he may have actually been on Mrs. Loomis's side. But you know, I I love that yeah he isn't and he's like trying to do well and he like, and I, I like it that we don't really like you know obviously he's a little bit full of himself obviously he wants oh, yeah. credit but like at the same time he's a guy who's wrong and falsely accused of murder and would spend a year in jail for no reason and like wants something to get back out of that which mm-hmm. I I kind of understand like again it's it's like it's a weird thing and obviously like you don't blame Sydney for it because you know she's a kid when it happened and her mother was murdered but like you you kind of feel for what he's trying to do in a way. Um, yeah, and I also like the fact too they did they did make him a paragon. That whole library scene where he gets very aggressive with Sydney, like he was in the wrong there, but at the same time, it's not like he was doing anything illegal. He was just he was a flawed character, and I really enjoyed that. Yeah, and and I love the I love the ending where he like he he asks her like oh like you know I about that that interview sounds pretty good right now. 
Because like I get the impression <laughs> that like well, you weren't supposed to read that as if he was making a decision, but he already made the decision. It was just like fucking with her. <laughs> it was just like, <laughs> hey, uh, remember how you tortured my wife? Here's a little bit of like, you know, here's a little bit of like, you know, putting the knife in your wind for a second and being like, yes. hey, let's do, do that thing. And, you know, I, I like that. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I like to have the end. He was like, I would, I would never actually hurt you. Um, but, uh, yeah. What, and then, that uh, his name? Oh, jeez. Uh, Lee Schreiber. Lee, yep. Lee Schreiber. Yeah. He's, he's great. I, uh-huh. he's awesome. But sorry, what were you going to say? Uh, so the other thing too, um, is the cameraman, uh, for Gail, oh, yeah. the new cameraman. Uh, what'd you think of him? I fucking loved him. <laughs> he he's, was great. <laughs> he's great. He's, and he's like, I feel like how many, how often in a movie is a character like, this is insane. I'm leaving. Yes. And he like, makes all the right decisions the entire time. Now I do remember when I was watching this for the very first time, there was a scene right after, um, Randy gets killed. And after that point, he kind of comes back and he has a box of Dunkin' Donuts. And I remember it was very visually striking. Your eyes were kind of drawn to it. Ooh, what's Dunkin' Donuts? And I thought to myself, one of my working theories was he's the killer and the knife is in the Dunkin' Donuts box or the clothes are in the Dunkin' Donuts box or something like that, which is how he was able to quick change so quickly. Um, Ooh, I didn't think about that. That's, That's awesome, actually. Yeah, it was just very, I remember, it was just like, okay, this is either a very obvious product placement or they're meta-drawing attention to it. So I'm wondering if that was a plot point that was taken out or something like that. But I thought that would have been a good reveal, a twist for the killer. But yeah, yeah. he was a lot of fun. Uh, anything about that, that's awesome. And actually, speaking of twists for the killers, how did you feel about the weird thing? So, like, I remember watching this movie and I was in there, I was like, why the fuck did he kill Omar Epps and that person? Why did he kill uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer? And then we learned they basically killed them because they have, like, similar names to the people who were killed in the first movie. Yeah. I don't quite get, like, what... I, I guess that I guess that supports Mickey's idea of the films fucking him up to the point that he has to kill the, the people who are, like, the people in the film. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like a really weird element to add because it gets dropped pretty yeah. quickly, I feel like. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't remember that at all. Like, every, I feel like I, I've watched them a few times, and I feel like every time I kind of forget about it and watch it again, I'm like, oh, why, what, that was an element of this? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I didn't feel like that was good. That was like a weird. I agree. Uh, I agree. I felt that pop like kind of fell flat too. Um, Along yeah, with just the killer's motivation in general, but yeah. Yeah, I, but again, I think I think that in that to a degree that almost kind of adds to the fact that like they're psychopaths, like or he is at least a psychopath. Like he doesn't. His motivation is he basically is just given an excuse. Mm-hmm. Like he's willing to die. He's willing to burn for this essentially. But he like, you know, just wants the fame of it, which I think seems a lot more psychopathic than like your mom fucked my dad and ruined my family. That sounds a lot more like, not that that's a good reason to kill somebody, but Billy's motivation sounds, <laughs> Billy's reason I can kind of connect the lines a little bit more than I can with um, Mickey mm-hmm. or uh, this version of Stu. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, I think we've gone through most, I'm trying to think of any characters we left out. Um, how about kills? What is your, what was your favorite kill in this film? Uh, Randy's definitely, like that was the standout kill for me. Aside from the opening, um, movie uh theater scene both of those kills were great too but i i just i really like the fact that randy was killed in broad daylight he could have just you know stayed in the middle of the courtyard not done anything but he decided to wander around put his back up against an open door uh, well that would not an open door but back up against a van door put himself in danger it was just a very frustrating scene to watch but it was believable because they thought they were safe so that's that's when we learned that it was miss loomis who like looks very petite and small uh-huh. And, like, I'm surprised she's able to lift him up and pull him into the van. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'd be able to do that very easily with people. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like I would, And Randy's, like, a tall, lanky guy, I guess. He's not really, like, much. But, like, I feel like that seems like a very 
not super believable aspect. Um, I can see him eating lots of Cheetos and Doritos. So there, there you go. There you go. I know. I also again. I love the 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 chase in the music hall with um, Gale and Dewey. I, especially when they go into that like that that the area like the sound wall where she's like sneaking about and you see him, like popping in and out. Like I think that's one of the few times I felt kind of a tense feeling in the film. And especially after um, Randy died, you're like, oh shit, other people could die. That's that's not great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's not what I want to have happen. Um, and I thought it was really sad the way that Dewey died or you know got stabbed a lot um, because it is that kind of moment where he like is on the other side talking to Gail and she can't hear him and she turns around right when he's getting stabbed to death or, or stabbed a lot. Like I thought that was great. Yeah, um, did, and did, I I did like the fact too. Honestly, I'm kind of a little bit of a set that Dewey didn't die because I like the fact that just because you're a returning character doesn't mean that you'll survive the movie. Um, and that's what Randy's death kind of taught me. So I like the fact that there really wasn't any plot armor except for Sydney. So I, I can't remember this is true, but I do think one of the plans was to kill David Arquette in that scene. Um, but then I, I think that was made in part of the original script or one of the scripts that he was going to die. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I'm really glad he didn't. He's, like, my favorite character of the franchise. Him, him, <laughs> him, him and uh, Sydney. I, I, and I, I like it, too, that part of the reason he doesn't die is because he has so much scar tissue from the first time he got stabbed in the back. <laughs> like, uh, all, this, all the scar tissue protected him. He's um, the Mr. And, Magoo of the Scream franchise. <laughs> he, re- he really is. Well, I love it, too, that, like, I don't know, I feel like, he, like him and, you know, I, I think that Gale does develop in this movie, but I feel like he and... Sydney really kind of showed the scars of the first one, like him through an actual limp that he has to deal with, which is very visible. And fucking Gail even makes fun of him for it at one point. And he's like, I have a fucking, you stabbed my nerve. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I like, I feel like them as a pair work really well. Um, and again, like, I, I think, I understand what you mean about how Gail's not the greatest. And I do think that Courtney Cox's character, you know, it, of them develop, of like, other than, um, uh, what's his name? Randy. Other, I think she's the kind of the third, the second least developed character. Um, but I think she makes progress in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would have been really sad if he died. And I, I think the first time I watched that was, <laughs> I was like really, really hurt by that fact that happened. Yeah. Um, but that is one of the things I really, really like about this franchise is no one's safe. It, it relies on the fact that you're aware of the horror movie cliches and it play preys on that. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, and speaking yeah. of which, we never we never discussed um, Derek's death. So uh, Derek is part of some fra- uh, hazing ritual, which um, is funny because they they list that movie um, they, when they, when uh, Randy's on the phone, he lists a bunch of college movies, and he, he lists Final Exam and uh, Graduation Day, which we remember yeah, I know that too. Our, our school's out forever uh, <laughs> week or month. We did that, um, and I and just like and I think it was Final Exam where the guy gets remember he gives his. Uh, his necklace or his ring to his girl, and then he gets tied to a tree yep. and stuff. So that same thing happens to this guy. So I'm like, oh, a little, little callback. Um, but he gets tied to a set item on the uh, musical on the stage, and uh, Mickey approaches uh, Sydney and basically says, like, oh, he's my Billy. He's my he's my buddy in this one. It's it's him. Um, and I, that scene, like, it's it's great. But I feel like I don't know Sydney when the when the killer pointing a gun at you is trying to convince you that the guy behind you is tied up is also the killer, seems a little weird. <laughs> I mean, like, when he's like, oh, don't untie that guy, he's also killer. He's, he's on my side, don't untie him, he's on my side. <laughs> what a weird argument to make. <laughs> but, yeah, I, that, that, always, that scene always kind of is, is very aggravating for me, because you know he's going to die, and you're just like, oh, man, like, come on, Cindy, just like, he's clearly not the killer. Let, let him go. <laughs> he, needs to be, he needs to go be in sliders again. Get out of here. 
Um, um, trying to think. Uh, oh, so there, okay, there's too many things. Two more things I want to talk about real quick. Okay, sure. One, uh, Sydney in this in this movie, um, she is playing in the uh, live action, or sorry, in the play that's going on. She's playing Cassandra, um, and I think that's like a big role for her in this film. I have, I don't know the, the musical or the play they're doing really well, but the director she's talking to gives her the speech about um, how like Cassandra is somebody who is put in a terrible situation. Um, but learns that she can't avoid her fate and has to face it and fight it. And I thought that was a really, again, it's it's very on the nose, but that's a very good way to describe what Sydney does in the film. You know, she's um, she's somebody who, uh, you know, is surrounded by these, you know, her past kind of influences and realizes that she's maybe in kind of a shitty situation and her past is going to haunt her, but she has to just kind of fight against and deal with it. And I feel like that's really what kind of happens by the end of the film where she goes, she proactively goes to the killer. She proactively goes to the uh, stage to go fight the killer at the end. Um, so I thought that was like, an interesting point for a character. And I thought that, you know, again, I think that's what makes this movie slightly better to me than the first one is I feel like there really is a through line for Sydney. It's not just a slasher anymore. It's like it becomes, it is kind of the, the beginning of the story becoming Sydney's story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like that. Yeah, um, definitely. It, 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 this whole movie, if I give it nothing else, it does feel like a very natural progression of the first movie. Like, if you were to say, hey, where do you think Scream's going to go from here? It would end up very close to what this movie did. So, for better or worse, um, I, I the direction was good with the characters and just this college setting and everything. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. Um and now, so my second to last segment, because I realized there's one segment which I told you I wanted to do uh, last time we started this. Sure. Uh, so I, I wanted to bring this up last time, but, you know, I think one of the big things that this is known for are the rules. That's everyone always talks about, like, the rules, uh, the thing that I really got annoyed by when we watched it uh, <laughs> recently. Um, so in this movie, there are three, or sorry, in the first movie, there are three rules. We never discussed them. Uh, do you know what the three rules are? Uh, let's see. Don't drink. Yep. Don't have sex. Yep. And don't say I'll explore this area or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, perfect. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Don't have, don't have sex. Don't drink, and I'll be right back. Do you, do you agree with those rules? Uh, yes. I would also add on there: don't go opening puzzle boxes. Don't go to creepy cabins in the woods. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I would love somebody to make a movie like Cabin in the Woods, but everything just turns out really great. <laughs> like they go to, they go to this cabin that their uncle gave to them and they find like all this really cool shit like an old super nintendo <laughs> and, you know they open this puzzle box and like inside of it is like a golden ticket to go to Willy Wonka chocolate factory like oh my god <laughs> what a great movie i think like that's probably the plot of one of the fucking scary movies um but then no it's i mean no 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 seriously like um that was pretty much nicholas cajun pig you know for the most part he was just chilling out in the woods with his pig and he was good with it and his cabin yeah. in the woods. Yeah. That, yeah. that was the greatest cabin in the woods. That was the greatest yeah. cabin. And then, and the guy who found him in the cabin in the woods before they stole the pig, he got truffles and got to sell them for great money. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it was a good deal going to that cabin in the woods unless you were there to do bad stuff. And you're an <laughs> asshole. Um, but then Scream 2. Do you remember the rules of Scream 2? I do not, actually. And I feel like some of these rules are actually the rules of Scream 4 as well. I could be wrong. Um, but, and these aren't even rules. And that, this is kind of the annoying thing. Is So, like, right, so the... Um, <clears throat> the first movie, they're rules to successfully survive a horror movie. And the second movie, it's rules to successfully survive a horror movie sequel. And there's not really, these aren't really rules to survive. These are rules for, like, writing the franchise. Um, so the first one is that the body count is always bigger. It's like when you get a fortune cookie and it's not really a fortune. You're like, that's not really a fucking rule. That doesn't tell you how to survive. The first one's worth thinking how to survive. So these are just fucking, like, aspects of a movie. Yeah, um, your chances of less are surviving. Yeah, so the body count's bigger. 
And he says, the second rule is the death scenes are always more elaborate and there's more blood and gore. Again, like a fortune cookie, that's not actually a rule for how to survive. That is just an element of the film. Um, and the third one, he gets cut off. Um, and he's like, the third one, if you want your film to become a successful franchise, like never, ever, blah, blah, blah. And it gets cut off there. Um, he never tells us. Apparently, the original thing was going to be like, never assume the killer is dead. Um, yes, which is, which is which, one thing I love in the Scream movies because she double taps every single time. Yeah, well, she doesn't double tap Miss Loomis, but that's because uh, fucking Cotton gets her in the throat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, God, he's just like, boom. Uh, but they do, Mickey's double tap, though. I feel like Mickey's double tap is so weird uh, because, uh, you know, he just like gets up and screams and gets shot. Uh-huh. Like, I kind of felt, you think that a guy who just like got betrayed by his partner and like, you know, got shot would, would be like, oh, hey guys, sorry about that. Like, you know, me or something, but he just gets up and screams and gets shot and like blown back, um, which is a little bit ridiculous, uh, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, okay, good. So, uh, Dan, are there any rules that you can predict for Scream 3? Oh, geez, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> don't go down to the basement, okay? Uh, let's see, um, don't get into a car because it'll never start. Uh, you know, the, the car started this time. It did, yes, but usually it doesn't. True. Uh, let's see. If you hear a noise in the bushes, don't go investigate. If you hear any noise at all, just don't go investigate. That's what it is. Uh, yeah. That's actually, all I got for it. Here, I got, I got a hint for you. Okay. Um, the section is actually how to survive the last chapter of a horror movie trilogy. Mm. So what, 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 what would you say for that? You need to find some ancient plot device that is motivating the killer mm. and solve the mystery behind it. And while you're solving the mystery, you get the backstory for the killer and you realize what's going on. Damn. All right. So Jason goes to hell from Freddy's Dead Fall Nightmare. I see. I see. Yeah. Fear streets, you know, all that stuff. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Damn. Right. Good. You know, good, good, good on you. I, I, I like those. I like those. But I think also the other rule should be like, if you cut, if you say it's the last film, it's not going to be the last film. <laughs> That's true. That is a good one. Because <laughs> um, yeah, final, final destination, the final destination, and then followed by Final Destination Five. <laughs> so so many so many Final Destination movies. All right, so good. All right, so that, now my actual last segment, which I I, I said I wanted to do with you. Um, okay. You said you haven't seen three or four. What no, do you think the plot of, of three is going to be? What do you th- where, where, where where does the franchise go for you from here? Like, what would you want to see in a sequel? Okay, so four came out. What like I know it came out a lot later. It was two thousand six, two thousand seven ish. I was in college. It must have been two thousand like okay or eleven. Probably so 11, I'm assuming that one. A big plot point is going to be the technological age and the internet and phones or cell phones and everything like that. Um, I feel that's going to play a big part. Social media, maybe possibly. Um, I think that's going to be a big part of four. For three, I am assuming all the characters are going to be accomplished adults on their own, um, probably working in the entertainment field somehow. That just seems what would be good for them. Um, and Hollywood Ooh. always loves jerking off over themselves. So It takes place in 2000. Ooh, okay. Oh, sorry, it, it, it was filmed in 2000. I apologize. It, came it was out filmed in 2000. Scream 4 was filmed in 2000. Oh, no, uh, 3 was came out in 2000. Okay, gotcha. When did Scream 4 come out? Let me see. Screen 4 came out in the great... 2011. There you go. <laughs> yep. There we go. So social media, I'm sure, is going to be a big part of that because that was when Facebook... Well, no, Facebook had already took off by that point. Um, 
Yeah, kind of. Yeah. It was there. Uh-huh. But, but yeah, I'm assuming 3 is going to be focused on the adult life. Um, Sydney's going to lean more towards the badass aspect of her. Um, I'm assuming they're going to kind of try and make her into a badass Laurie Strode, like in the Halloween 2018 remake, that sort of thing. All right, all right. And who's the killer going to be? Uh, you, you, you the killer, give me, give Dewey. Give generic description if you want. Oh, Dewey. Killer's wow. going to be Dewey. Dewey's so going to be the killer in the third one. He saw he saw a scary movie and he was like, "Good idea, I, I like that. I like yes. that concept." I honestly right. have no idea who the killer is going to be in the third one, so I'm excited right. to find out. Even Make though I ba- hear it's the worst one, so I want you to make up a backstory for me right now. Who's the killer? What's the connection to Sydney? Go. Um, so the killer is Johnny Cage, um, okay. but it's K. Uh, Cage is spelled with a K, and he's spe- he played way too much Mortal Kombat as a kid. And he is very pissed off at Joseph Lieberman, so he wants to... Mm, no, he, he, he agrees with Joseph Lieberman. In fact, no, the killer is Joseph Lieberman. And he is upset that no one um, paid attention to him while he was batting against video games for Congress. So Joe Lieberman is the killer of Scream 3. That is my final answer. All right. Now, is, Joe, is he playing himself or is somebody playing him? Uh, he is playing himself, and everyone's just like, oh, no, he's a congressman. Of course he can't kill people. And then everyone's just like, oh, you sweet summer child. And then he well, reveals himself, and it's like, oh, my God, it's the old man. Well, I mean, actually, fun fact, uh, he was actually a senator in 2000, and he was actually running for vice president. He was a nominee for the Democratic Party for the vice president. So he was, so, you know, what? maybe he just wanted to, you know, plug himself. He was like, man, violence in movies is terrible. Vote for me. I killed these kids. Can't beat them, join them. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> All right, gotcha. well, great. Awesome. So um, I, I know we talked about, uh, I know you, you had interest in doing that uh, VHS movie. Did you want to take a break between Scream uh, 2 and 3 and do that? Or do you want to Yeah, so Scream here's 2? what I'm thinking. Like, as okay. much as I want to finish off the series, and we absolutely will, I do think it would be good to take a break and kind of, like, pivot to an intermission episode. The new VHS movie, um, 1984, came out, um... Not 1994, 1994, I think it is. Um, and those have always been fun. Like, at the very least in every single movie, even the worst one, there's always been a segment that I really enjoyed. So I would love to do a little mini-episode on that before yeah. we dive into three. I'm 100% game. Yeah, let's do it. All right. All right, yeah, cool. so, so next time we will be doing uh, VHS 1980 or 94. 94, sounds good. Just, just like, a, wait, wasn't wasn't the last, or was one of the uh, Fear Street movies 94? Yes, the very first Fear Street movie was 94. Oh. Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought uh, it went up to the 2000s, but you know what? Better, better year, better better time. Why, yeah, why was it 94? Why is 94 so particular to horror movies? I think it's just the 90s. I think that, you know, there's a little that Stranger Things vibe. I think Stranger yeah, Things yeah. really kind of brought the 90s and the 80s back to, like, the cultural consciousness. Not the cultural consciousness, but understood that people were nostalgic for that stuff, you know? Uh I guess I, I wonder if part of the reason that is is because it's before like the huge internet age explosion back when like hacking was like typing on your computer and zeros and ones appeared and like whoa look at how cool this is well nowadays if they if they made that people would be like that's not how that works but back yeah. then we were too 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 <laughs> dumb to know that and we're like wow yeah. <laughs> the I remember just uh, being a kid on GameFAqs and. Um... There was the paranormal conspiracy board, and kids were just like, "I want to create cyballs with my hands and be able to lo- levitate things and all that stuff." Wait, what, what yeah. is this? What is cyballs? It was what, a cyball, psychic balls. Basically, um, they were like a kamehameha. 
they were like people were actually i mean it was all kids at the time on these message boards but they were trying to convince each other that hey i could go ahead and create a kamehameha but it really wasn't a kamehameha because we have to be scientific about it. it's called a cyball and it's like a force and i can do that or like a ryu hudouken or something like that why wasn't i part of this conversation because <laughs> you weren't part of game facts i spent well, I, a lot of time on there i mean i spent a lot of times on game facts too but i spent my time on there trying to find masks for Majora's Mask that didn't exist. <laughs> I, I, there, there are so many fucking guides like, how to get the angel mask. Do this, this, and this. And I do it in the game. Like, There's no fucking mask here. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I was so angry. Uh, try to get Kefi's mask. Like, come on, guys. Yeah, now those message uh, boards shaped a big part of my childhood. Anyway, uh, yeah. So next uh, time we will do VHS and then we will return to Scream 3 and then Scream 4 and then next year we'll do Scream 5. Woohoo! Sounds good. And hopefully someday we'll do Resident Evil. But uh, if my co- current COVID situation, I'm not going to be able to go see it in theaters anytime soon. And uh, I imagine we'll not be in there very long. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I'm hoping it's going to go to VOD pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We'll do that one too. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you once again to our opening band. That is Teddy's Atlas with the song Horror Movie Story. You can get them out the album Children of the Corn. They're good, good Canadian boys. Any final thoughts, Andrew? Uh, no, just, you know, and, and, uh, I, I, again, said it again, I'll say it, I'll say it, I'll continue it continually. I think this is the peak of the franchise. So, definitely watch it. Sounds good. All right, you all, stay groovy. Bye. <laughs>